one, including me, says a thing, I'd like to respect a moment of silence. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. All right, we back. Welcome to the broadcast. This is episode 22. 22, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, let's not even going to talk about this. So anyways... How's everybody doing, y'all? You know what the fuck going on. Honestly, it's a new day. I'm glad yeah. that uh, we all keep our spirits and energies up around here. You know, no setbacks. Broke has 2021. Well, it's not easy. on some shit, I feel like I'm in the shadow realm. I woke up last night. I woke up from last night. Shit, I got fucked up. Bro. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. Hey, but I, I, had a, I, had a, I had a beautiful spread of cheeses. Cheeses and, like, uh, uh, charcuterie. Yeah, you know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I was on some, like, you know, talking about, like, Republican shit. You know, I was, feel, <laughs> I was feeling that. I was feeling that shit most This man <laughs> eats Republican ginger <laughs> I was hanging out with my white friends, man. I felt like I was on a new level. Was there any Havarti on there? Mm, there wasn't any Havarti. Nah, I did your credit score go up eating the cheese? Yeah, huh? Did your credit score go up eating the cheese? Shit, yeah, son. My, it's like it's like my life points were increasing. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Talk to me when you get the goat cheese infused with the honey and the blueberries. Mm. I'm sorry, was that a new challenger appearing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I'm, yeah. I'm as bougie as they come. So. I can't mm. do goat cheese. That shit is nasty. Okay. So we we got a guest on the pod today, obviously. Bruh, is anyone gonna introduce this man? The man, the myth, the legend, my YMCA babysitter. (laughs) Dexter Nichols, y'all. Yo, what's up everybody? I'm sorry, is that accurate information? It is accurate information. YMCA. Was he a terrorist even as infant? Yeah. Uh he definitely was was not as bad as uh Keon was. But he was up there. Sorry, J- y'all know him as Josh Simmons. So, mm-hmm. and that's fair. Mm-hmm. Nah, that's Keon. You got it right. Yeah. That's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, welcome to the podcast, Dex. Um, you just released a new project, right? Yesterday, huh? Uh, Friday. I don't Friday. know what day it is anymore. Twenty twenty days don't matter. But uh, right. whatever exactly. the twenty eighth was, that's the day that I released it. Yeah, so two Friday. Days two days ago. Yeah. So Friday. So, uh, first of all, let me just say, uh, I definitely want to make make some noise for Jacob Blake and. Trayford Pellerin and, and all those we've lost in the last week. Uh, we have seen some crazy stuff go down in Louisiana, specifically with Laura and all of that. And like you said, shout out to Chadwick and uh, also shout out to the young man on my right, Nathan. I always love seeing my youngins, the ones that I dealt with when I was young and grew up and do big things. And so i um, happy to see that you have landed on your feet and are, and are doing well. So shout out to you. Yes. Beautiful. Can I get that in ASMR, please? That was crisp. What do you mean? Oh, you just have to run that back and touch it over. So this is your debut project, you said, or is this your, or is this your first, like, really? Uh... So yes and no. Uh, I released the album in 2016 uh, with this dude named Toussaint, Ernest Toussaint, uh, who worked with C Murder and was part of that No Limit crew back in back in the 90s. And um, I was releasing it as my grandmother was passing away, and so. It was the first time I had ever made music on my own and uh, just kind of rushed it through because I wanted it to be out by her birthday, which fell on like June 22nd. I really wanted to honor her. And I didn't have as much control over everything as I did with this project. And so um, with this one, I, I worked with Meshack on, with the beat. So I get a producer credit on almost every beat, I think, except for two of them. Uh, I recorded everything. I mixed everything. I mastered everything. Uh, and so it took me about four years to get it done, uh, but you know I'm I'm happy with the product. And there are still things I hear in it that I'm like, man, I should have went and, like fixed that. 
But at some point, you just gotta like release the stuff and of be course. done with it. Yeah. Uh, but we live in the streaming age. You could just like re rework it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's what's that's what's weird about being a musician now is the streaming age. Beyonce made a, a comment a few years ago about how people don't make records anymore, mm-hmm. right? They and singles. they make singles, and and mm-hmm. you look at like the success of Khalil Vegas is a <clears throat> excuse me is like a testament to that. I seen Khalil. But for, for those of you, anybody not know who Khalil is? I do not. You yeah. do not? Khalil, catch, catch he's a Baton Rouge artist. Well, Lafayette, Lafayette, Lake Charles area. Um, and he releases, like, he when he performs, he talks about how he releases music for Instagram. So they're usually, like, less than two minutes long, between mm-hmm. a minute and two minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he got, like, two million views on YouTube and, and just got 200 and something thousand followers on Instagram mm-hmm. and got verified. And, like, it's crazy to me, like, that's the path to being notarized now. Like, you look at even Lil Nas X had that one hit and that's it you don't get we we don't really appreciate people who put out real bodies of work anymore except for like hip-hop heads because we judge everybody based on their their albums and Mm -hmm. so which is why Eminem is the most overrated goat of all time. Oh my God! I said I said what I said and I meant it. Man, um, coming out, yeah, coming out, all right, coming out real we'll, strong. We'll today. I used to be the wild Eminem head, but everything after recovery is garbage. Yeah, overrated. None of them. And so, like, I really wanted to make a project that was like consistent all the way through, mm-hmm. but also I didn't want to bend to the YouTube age and the Instagram age. And I'm a little bit older, so I just turned 31 in March, right? Mm-hmm. And so my perspective on making music, I already bought my house, I already have a car in my name, like I'm not doing this to get famous. Right. I get to do what I want straight out the jump. I have my own studio, right? right. Invested in my own equipment. You're doing it the right way. Exactly. Right, and so right. um, that's why you get an album that's just so so different than anything I've heard come out of Baton Rouge personally. Yeah, um, no, it's true because like from the first track, Immortal, like it just gave off a different vibe than oh, I'm putting this out to be known versus you know this is just what y'all are getting. That's real for me. Yeah, that's you real know, artistic expression mm-hmm. right yeah. there. It, I really vibe with that. It, instead of you know trying to get the result, you just made what you made, and the result that came, you're just taking it in stride. It seems like you it's, know exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's written from a place of like so. Notice I don't talk about like sex. I don't really talk about drugs. I don't really talk about the hood or nothing like that. Mostly because I'm a Pisces um, and I live in my emotions. <laughs> I am the most emotionally unbalanced person you will find. And so like all of those songs speak directly to like an emotion that I was feeling in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever that moment was, I think the oldest one on there is, is probably Ghost. Um, and so when you listen to Ghost, you can hear the just desperation to, you know, to, to be accepted by someone who doesn't doesn't want you anymore right uh, and, and yeah. somebody who vanished on you whenever you need literally needed them the most right so, you just so vanished okay. like goddamn so i got ghost. this question so yeah. like uh you know I've, I've heard this very often it's like the the the, the booth is like your uh, therapy session or something like that with uh, from other artists and shit so like whenever you feel something do you like do you like go straight into the booth or do you just like sit on that emotion like right like how do you how I, does i sit on it uh yeah. Because as emotional as I am, as Nate will probably be able to attest to, I'm also very calm and very brooding and very... Um, so that's not... I'm not seeing an imbalance there. It's not, it's not an imbalance. It's more of I never make a decision in the moment. Oh, no right? And so okay. if it sticks with me, then I'll be like, all right, cool. And I also don't necessarily... What, what really sparks my creativity is I love TV. Right. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. everything about TV. I love TV shows specifically, TV shows over movies any day. So mm-hmm. um, I will I'll be watching. And what, what really intrigues me is scenes. Right. Mm-hmm. I really like the idea of two people or three people having this conversation 
and what that conversation means. And mm-hmm. so I, they'll say something, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's a really cool concept. Like I was watching Fresh Prince the other day, mm-hmm. um, and it was talking, it was a, the episode where Will got shot or something. And Carlton made a, a comment about, I'm not a kid anymore. I don't believe in fairy tales. And mm-hmm. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in fairy tales. Rabbit's feet are wishing wells, right? And so you go on and you, and you develop those thoughts about what it means to believe there's no more magic in the world. And so that's more where I get my creativity and like my writing style from. So, okay, so it's sounds- from living in the moment. Okay. And, that, and also, it doesn't sound like you're emotionally imbalanced. I'm like, you know, your cycles, my guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you, you said imbalance. You I, said that early. Uh, yeah. Imbalance may be the wrong word. I'm very in tune with my emotions so you know who you are i i very how long how long have how long have you known yourself like to this degree was this always a thing or was it like did the you last have to... four years so okay. My, okay. my grandmother passing away was well i'll say this so the first one i i worked at the ymca for a while there's a few pivot points in my life right yeah. uh the, working at the ymca was one uh but then after that y'all may be a little too well that's on disney plus now but y'all may be a little too young to remember the original show bug juice right anybody remember that shit uh, was that like the camp the camp show right yeah. and i was always enamored when i was growing up watching that show about going to summer camp right mm-hmm. like the idea that you could just go and be away from your family and do all this cool stuff mm-hmm. and so uh the day before my 21st birthday i lost my dream job i was actually running the after school care programs for west Baton parish in port allen and so that's where i left the ymc and went to and so i was like oh well, you know what? I'm just gonna pull unemployment for these three months, and I'm gonna see if I can get a job going, to, you know, going to the summer camp. And literally, I filled out these applications, um, and I was sitting at my computer at my mom's house, and I sent my resume to this camp in New York. And I got up and went to the bathroom and came back, and my phone was ringing, and it was this lady named Brooke Bradley, and she's got the most like radio voice. Dexter, how are you? <laughs> you know, like it was, it was the dopest voice I've ever heard. And she was, I was looking over your resume, and I love it. I want to schedule an interview. And I got, a, I got an offer from them, from a camp in Montreal, from a camp in Utah, and from a camp in California, like around the Redwoods area. And I decided to go to New York. And that was the moment that like everything changed because it was the first time that I had left the state of Louisiana without my family, right? And without that, that guidance. And I was able to like, when I, when I went to live at the camp, so first of all, there's no electricity. The cabins have half walls, so we sleep under bug nets, right? Oh, it's it's crazy. Like you don't shower every day. I hate nature, so I, I did chose that one because I wanted to push myself to the next level. Right. Smart. Smart. And so and so I went up there and and but I was the only American born non first generation English speaking person in my cabin. Like it was crazy. So I wake up in the morning and it's only George and my my bed overlooked this valley, right? It I looked out into the mountains. The air was clean. It got down to like 40 degrees at night, like oh, with the wind off the lake, it was great. And I would wake up and I would hear the Russians talking over here and I would hear the Spaniards talking over here and the French behind me and the Germans on the other side. Oh, and crazy. I'm like, um, hey guys, like, <laughs> like, how you doing? Like, good morning, you know, yeah. bonjour. All, all, and so like, and then the French kids learned that I sp- I'm from Louisiana. Oh, you're from Louisiana? They no longer spoke to me in English. They only spoke to me in French because uh, to them, everybody in Louisiana yeah. speaks French. So now I've got to learn how to speak French on the fly. My cabin mate was a gay dude from Scotland, right? I haven't taught my whole life, you know, you shouldn't be around those gays. Those gays are terrible. Uh, and he became one of my best friends, you know, this gay Republican dude from Scotland. And gay Republican. Gay... <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back around. But I did that for six years. I ended up 
you know, I ended up in Vermont and I ended up in New Hampshire and I ended up in Montreal because of that. And I ended up, you know, in Boston and, and I have a place to stay anywhere that I go in the country. And so meeting all those kids, shout out, side story, I actually met Harvey Weinstein before yeah. all of this. Yeah, it was a very affluent camp. So it's like $10,000 a summer. I'll tell you all the Harvey Weinstein story. It's just crazy. So he calls the office one day. I don't know who he is. I've never heard of Harvey Weinstein, right? He calls the office and he's like, hey, I want my daughter to come home for a few days. His daughter was at the camp. You know, she had come for two weeks. She wanted to extend this day for the whole eight. Which meant it was going to go from like a $2,000 bill to like a ten to $12,000 bill. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the phone with this gentleman and I'm like, he's like, I said, well, who's your daughter? He said, oh, it's Emma. I said, okay, well, um, yeah, she can come home. Well, no, I, I looked at my boss and I was like, well, she said he wants his daughter to come home, which we don't do. And she was like, who is it? I said, it's Harvey Weinstein. She was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell him that his daughter wants to stay longer. I said, okay, cool. And so I said, well, I have to know what's the nature of her reason for coming home. Is it a family emergency, blah, blah, blah. He goes, no, I wanted to meet someone. I said, okay, cool. And so I said, but she said she wanted to stay at camp a little bit longer. He said, how much longer? Well, she wants to finish out the summer. And he said, well, how much is it? And I go, it's going to be about eight to ten more thousand dollars, man. He's like, oh, that's it? Yeah, just charge the car. I was like, oh, wait, what? Hold on, back up. Back up. Back, back up. Like, and so like, he was like, all right, well, I'll be there to pick her up. He didn't pick her up. He sent her uncle, who happens to be her driver, um, in this beautiful Escalade to like pick her up. She went home for a couple of days, came back, and I was standing out playing ball because I was a hooper back in the day, mm-hmm. playing ball on the court. And she walks by and said, oh, hey, Emma, you know, how was the trip home? She goes, oh, it was good. I said, who'd your dad want you to meet? She's like, oh, the president. What? what? I said, hold on, wait, back it up. The president of what, like Coca-Cola? Like what? Wait, 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 wait. And she goes, no, silly, the president of the United States. I said, hold on, wait, so you went to the White House? No, he went to my house. I said, wait, hold on. So you went to your house where you live and the president was there, like Barack Obama. He was like, yeah, and Michelle and Masashi Malino too, we played. And I said, why why were they there? (laughs) And she goes, because my daddy invited them. Wait, who is your who is your dad? Like and so she told me who her dad was and I had to go and found out that he sold Miramax to Disney for like six billion dollars and like had all this money and produced all these movies. And so my best friend, like from who lives in Brooklyn now, his name is JR, walks past and I'm like holding the basketball because I'm in the middle of a game, but I'm so shocked by what I heard. I'm like just standing there holding the ball and I look at JR who's walking, I go, JR, did you and he was like, yep, president was at our house. Not a big deal to her. Not a big deal to me. Just go keep it moving. I was like, Wait. all right, what? Wait. Like it was. When in Rome. Yeah. So that, like, that is what that world opened me up to. Right. And so walking around, even the people who, uh, the people who just lost all their money, the Sacklers, uh, what was the oxycodone that they invented? Their kids were my campers. Right. Oh. In, in New York, the Lieutenant governor, well now governor Andrew Cuomo's kids were my campers. And so like that world opened just this whole idea to me of, of being prepared because you could talk to one of those 12 year old kids and be like, they're like, Oh, my dad's a heart surgeon. I know I'm going to be a heart surgeon. Right. And you come back to Louisiana and I was teaching at the same time. Right. So I was working in first grade. Uh, when I finished, I was still in first grade. And so they were like, I don't know what I want to do. I didn't want, I want to chill. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and so to see the difference in direction that really started to pivot me towards who I am today, and then the next big thing was uh, my grandmother passing away because I had never dealt with death before. And then it was not fun because between 2016 and 2019, I lost eight family members. Yeah, I lost my, so my grandmother, my, gra- my maternal grandmother died in February of 2016. My paternal grandmother died May 
of 2016. My uncle dies in 2016. Uh, one of my good friends dies in 2016. And then my grandfather dies in 2019. My cousin dies in 2019. Like it was just one after the other. That's a lot for the, the heart. Right. And so through all of that, that's where like Beach House comes from, right? It, it Beach House, which is the second track on the album, right. it's all about turning 30, which is why the album is named 30, because I turned 30 and shit just made sense to me immediately. So uh, would you say then that this album is almost like a metamorphosis for you then? Like just as a period, <laughs> period. Like, like a coming to age? Yeah. I, yes and yes and no. So I think the coming of age one was really the first one because you can hear it. You can hear that I'm, you know, trepid about the way that I'm recording. I'm holding back on my vocals. I'm doing a lot of things that I don't do on this new album. Hey, David. Hey, what's up, man? How's your brother, man? Oh, man, he doing He's good. good. I just talked to him yesterday. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. What's what's up, sorry. Man? And welcome to the broadcast yet again. Dave Credits. You are yeah. done. Now we oh, checked we in. Not introduce ourselves. We but hey, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> this, is not, this story is way better than our name. Yeah. 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 Okay, continue. Um, so, you know, I think, and if you hear this album, like, I'm not holding my voice back. I'm using, I'm being very experimental with sounds and frequencies. I'm moving, sh I'm moving stuff all around so that you can't, you never know what's like coming next and off balance. Like, and so this one is much more of like, the first one was learning. This one was like, oh no, I'm just gonna do whatever I want to do, and that'd be it. And that shit sounded amazing. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> really like. Oh, so do you want to go or do you? Wanna nah, go? you get, you got it locked and loaded. Right, I, I'm cool, just yeah. crazy. You go. Hey, look. Um, I know she spoke about this off mic for a second, but the the vocals on Immortal were gorgeous. Thanks, man. You, you did your shit on that. Um, the runs you went on, I I wasn't prepared. I'm gonna be honest with you. You got you got a good set of pipes on your paws. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> shit. Shit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and well, Immortal is probably the most love song on the album Ida's interlude is cool Ida's interlude started as me like that one was super hard to write um, that one put me in my emotions I was crying the entire time is that your grandmother's that's name? my grandmother yeah, yeah. Um, that one's hard and my mom can't even listen to it very well today um, but Immortal was like written for my grandfather before I knew it was about my grandfather, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so my grandfather had these, so the Immortal's the weirdest one on the album because it didn't—it almost didn't make it. I recorded it three or four times. I just didn't like how it sounded. And I was like, you know why? Because it's still in this world, right? Mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't be in this world. And then my grandfather passed away and I started playing around with stuff. And then I started thinking, I was like, these hands have been used to, to build mountains. And I, the immediate picture that popped in my head was like, oh, that's Henderson Jackson, right? And I thought about, I thought about his hands. My grandfather okay. had just these giant hands, and he was missing two fingers uh, because he used to work at the bread shop, and he lost them on the conveyor belt, right? Oh, but man. even even so, like his two fingers that were missing the nubs still came past my fingers, right? Oh, that's and cool. I know, and so I was like, these hands have been used to make mountains. My feet have made the pathways for oceans and creeks, and and my grandfather's from Plaquemine, and. Whichever way my grandfather went is the way that the black people in the city went, right? Like he was one of those activists. He was a mason, you know. He was on the board of his church. He did a lot of things. And my family's a, a power family in Jack in, in Plaquemine. If if small town power families so mean anything, where you're from. yeah, that's where yeah. I'm from. Across the you know west side, okay. best side, we all know that. Okay. Um, oh, and so that. that's what that's where Immortal comes from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. like at one point you were pretty much the baby of the village. 
Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I was the next heir of the village, actually. And yeah, I okay. very much rejected that persona. I don't do school. Like I, I still at, I'm still at Southern University getting my degree because I refuse to go to school full time because I hate it so much. I don't want it to be Amen. the central thing of what I'm doing. Yes, uh, and so I, I was a straight A student up until about seventh grade, and I was like, "This is stupid." Like, this doesn't matter. Nothing, nothing, nothing that we do now matters. More, more power to you, because I stopped, I capped off at like fifth grade. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'll be on punishment for the rest of my life. I exactly. Fun, exactly. I mean, it was, it was weird. Like, I was in fourth grade, you know, on tenth grade level. I was winning essay contests and like all of that stuff. I got moved yeah. to a private school, yeah. and I was just like, this is so dumb. Yeah. Like, why, why is not, this the standard for right. things? School isn't for smart people, it, bro. So, so coming from Plaquemine, like. What was like? Did you ever have dreams of living in a big city? Like, were you were you like? Was that ever like a thing? Cause like for me personally, like I've always felt like California, like New York, was like always a vibe that I definitely wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. I've never never been there. Never mm-hmm. really like it wasn't like the media that I was like intaking ever really talked about any of that mm-hmm. shit. But I just felt like Louisiana definitely just wasn't the place for me. Yes, but the problem with being particularly from small town Louisiana, like. How, how much things are controlled for your narrative is crazy. Right. I had no idea that you could like go out of state to college. Like mm-hmm. I had no, I remember one of my friends being like, oh, I'm going to Michigan. Michigan, what? Like, yeah. how you do that? Oh, well, you know you can apply to any school. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Like, I literally thought, and I'm like a senior in high school. Yeah, for those, I thought you had to, we go to Southern, you go to LSU. Yeah, for those who don't Grambling. know, you wake up in Louisiana, it's Southern, LSU, or Grambling, and if you are, like, somehow in the STEM field and you don't have LSU LA money, Tech. LA Tech. Yes, sir. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me represent BRCC, my nigga. Oh, that's right. Okay, BRCC <laughs> is that hey, shit, my nigga. Hey, BRCC. Yeah. 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 College of Champions, my nigga. Exactly. That's where I got my first degree from. I I, come up. I praise BRCC because BRCC number one, three hundred dollars for a class. Boy, Sign me up yes, every boy, time. I'm every paying, time. paying yes. twenty four hundred for yeah. two classes at Southern right now. Take me back to twelve hundred dollars a semester, yeah. like for 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 full time. Take me talk back about to being that. a smart ass time nigga. Yes, yes, yes. BRCC is that discount route, bro. Uh, exactly. I don't remember none of my classes being three hundred at BRCC. Well, three sixty ish, right? Like slime. Yeah, slime. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's cheap, man, but like you were I, taking the wrong classes. Clearly, yeah, that's that's <laughs> as far as big cities, we are not going to address it like that on the podcast. <laughs> Continue. Well, as far as big cities, I think you're right. We we have this kind of notion of big cities, but again, camp taught me. Like I spent a lot of time in big cities, particularly New York City. I can get around New York City in, on the subway, no problem. Mm-hmm. I can hail a taxi. I can get you from one end of town to the other yeah. because I spent so much time, and so many of my friends are there, right? Mm-hmm. And but I hate New York City. Yeah. Like I, it is the most miserable place in the Trash. world to me. After three days, I'm like, all right, wrap this up. I'm ready to go. Really? Like I want nothing more to do with it. Why? But like, was there... it's it, and I heard Jazz talk about this on y'all's last podcast. Yeah. It's sensory overload yes. all the time, and people mm-hmm. move at such a pace that like I just I don't want to keep up with it. That's I can. I, so I, I founded a nonprofit in 2016, mm-hmm. and um, I bought a couple kids, one of the kids, to New York to New York City, and then I dropped them off at camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they let me bring them to camp for free. And we spent three days in the city, and he was miserable, right? He was, because they were like, I, I told him, I was like, well, we're not going to take a taxi because it's only like 15 blocks. 15 blocks? What I look like? A marathon runner? Like, and he's like 11 <laughs> years old. And so, like, I, I just don't, I don't get down with the vibe. Boston is super racist. The only place that I really enjoy, um, I love Houston. Houston is like, 
the blackity black black capital, and I love it. Uh, Wait, Montreal, man, Burlington, Vermont actually is is Vermont. Vermont is amazing. That's, I, that's such a that's such a crazy shift from like this this climate, this weather, it is. and then going to Vermont. Oh, when it snowed and when it snowed when we were up there in June, I was like, what what the hell is yeah. this? Snow, I never seen snow before. So the ice is this no cold in the sky. So, yeah, so since you since you've been since you've been other places, what's what's like what's your ideal place? Like what's your ideal climate? See, I don't my ideal climate is not cold and not hot. <laughs> like okay, I don't so even like know, like it de- definitely in the middle. Um, summers said. in New York are great, mm-hmm. but I once it gets to like September, I'm out. It, it yeah. starts to get way too cold and right. too chilly. You ever um, been to Cali or Colorado? I've been to Colorado. Uh, I that was the first time I had motion sickness, and I didn't know that I had motion sickness. Mm-hmm. I literally, I literally got out, and, and the guy I was working with was like, "So how was the drive up?" I was like, "Well, it was cool, but I had a headache and my stomach hurt, and like I was a bit nauseous." And he was like, yeah. "So you mean you were? So you mean you were altitude sick? You were car sick?" Mm. I was like, "Is that what that feeling is? Yeah. I've, I've never dealt with that before." But right. Colorado was beautiful. Uh, I don't think I could make it home. Me and my girlfriend talk about where we want to live all the time, and so mm-hmm. uh, we've narrowed it down to Houston. We've narrowed it down to Charlotte, uh, and Paris is one. And Paris, Paris. Okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. I have a lot of friends. I actually had a job offer in Paris that I turned mm-hmm. down from one of the kids in a camp whose dad runs a marketing company over there and I was like ah, nah I'm, I don't want to do that yet I need to finish some stuff up here Understand. Uh, but Prague is the one that calls me right the Czech Republic if you look at pictures of Prague and, and it's just beautiful and the and St. Petersburg gets thrown in that conversation and the Netherlands and so I know just the Netherlands the period Netherlands. I'm, I'm okay. good with it yeah oh okay. oh I can't wait I'm Amps. fucking with these these, bro, these options bro, yeah my, so my plan is my my treat to myself is once I graduate, I get to pull the max loan my last semester, and I'm going to take that money and go back back around Europe yeah. for yeah. like for like three or four months. Yeah. That okay. is that's the dream. Backpack um, nigga. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't be calling me the next Lupe Fiasco. Ooh, this yeah. If you are an up and coming artist and you are getting money from the government, please either flip that shit to experience or like something for yourself. Because right. if you just sitting on it, man, it's not bad to sit on it, but. You don't have to pay that shit back, so you might as well, right. you know, yeah. enjoy it. Snoop Dogg did it. Rich people don't get richer by saving money, and they no. spend that shit. For real. <clears throat> Scared money don't make shit. money. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so a while ago you um mentioned about how Immortal was, like, the one odd one out on the uh, entire uh, project. So when I first listened to it, not going to front, he sent me the link, and I was like, all right, cool, click this, I listened to it on my Spotify, and I was like... Okay, wait, this can't be someone we're about to interview. What's going on? <laughs> and then I look at it again, I'm like, wow, all right, so I see where it's going. And then you listen through um, track number two name Beach House. Yeah, you listen through Beach House, you're like, okay, I'm starting to feel the vibes. And then once, you know, Ghosts and Depression, part one and two come through, you're just like, wow, okay, this is a very moving album or EP, and you got to listen through it a second time. And the second time you hear it through Immortal, you're like, wow, this is like an uplifting view on where life is and then it just goes at least in my opinion and then it goes through like what it can drag you through you know Mm -hmm. just as an experience what grows people because people who haven't been through shit don't know that suffering is what grows you you know even if it's not fun to go through you may not you know want to say anyone else should do it at the end of the day it is what makes you who you are right you know even if it's hard to get through it which is why it's so important to make real albums right like thank you for understanding that because the entire movement of the album um you see a shift from ghosts right mm-hmm. so ghosts you go i ain't shit like i ain't never gonna be shit i never was shit i wasn't shit enough for somebody like me and then you you come in the bad bad man where it's like nah, nah 
I am the shit. Yeah, yeah, and I've been shit. the shit. And ain't nobody, can't nobody tell me I'm not the shit. Mm-hmm. And then your mind starts to play tricks on you with depression, right? Like, mm-hmm. the way that depression just speaks to me. And that was me actually, like, writing that was not fun. I, I will say that. It took me probably three or four months to get to also the beat. I made the track uh, with Meshack. And I purposefully, when we were writing it, I told him I wanted no rhythm. Like, I wanted to have to move my voice to be the syncopation and the rhythm for everything. So recording it, I had to literally write it line by line so that I could make it fit the pieces that I wanted to fit. And so that just made me think so much deeper about how I wanted to how I wanted to come off. And then getting Flo, who if y'all haven't listened to Flo DeReese, um, originally it was mm-hmm. me doing both parts. And so I was like, mm, I think it's kind of weird that I like have this conversation with myself. I think it needs to be a completely separate voice on that. And I got Flo to come do it. And like having to sit there, I realized how much of a crazy person I was because he, of course, you can't memorize that whole song in, in a day. I don't think I haven't memorized yet. Uh, and so I had to feed it to him line by line and record it line by line. And I'm sitting there telling him, no, 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 no. You're saying it like this, but we're not there yet. He's still like dismissing who the first person is. So you need to be more dismissive in your tone. All right, now here you got to get more aggressive because he's starting to get pissed off at the fact that he's like, having to deal with being suppressed again. And so like you can hear Flo's voice shifting around the whole thing. Whereas, and you even hear in his reverb, he's much closer to the song in the beginning. I'm very far back, right? So it's very in your ear and very ethereal. And it's like, I don't have control over what I'm saying. So I have this strong voice and I have this passion, but I'm definitely not in charge of anything that's happening right now, right? And then you get to him and you get much more clarity. You get a much, you get much closer to the mic. It's much more, Compressed. I mean, at this point, I could probably tell you every compressor and everything that I use on every single track on every single song because I'm a crazy person. But that song was <laughs> you know like your craft, bro. I mean, that song was that was the most difficult to record because you know to sit there and the thoughts that I have about you know your mom almost died birthing you. She'd probably be better off if she had an abortion. I'm like that shit. I'm an that only child, tough. right? Like I'm an only yeah. child, and my other only parent didn't believe that I was his kid, so he wouldn't sign my birth certificate when I was born, right? Crazy. And we we still deal with that like rift to this day and yeah. so and, and you get back to like and, and then you get to the end and you have all these sounds going on because through all of this shit just stays normal right like you're battling all this stuff but the world is still going by you still there's still people in the park playing there's still cars going down the street there's still people getting fired from their job and so you have to deal with all of those things in this like this bubble of just chaos in your own life and it just speaks to how you don't know what anyone is going through or how they deal with their issues. And, and so that one was not at all fun, but I'm most proud of that one. Um, also, I don't do very many features. And so I was happy that I actually got Flo to do that one for me. I had to make a deal, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do yeah, in, mean, this, in this economy. It, it, costs, it costs things to do business. So right. it costs to be the boss. Coming also, off of that, right, it might seem a little like out of left field, but are you a very religious person? I know there's a lot of talk of fucking <laughs> took my goddamn yeah, question. You know, well, and, and, and things of that nature. My, my, my mom's going to be very interested in this conversation. So <clears throat> I have completely rejected religion over the last two years. I have completely, mm-hmm. and that has been a very, very long journey. Um, my good friend Chris Gage, who I met in like 2009. Young Gage. Young Gage, yeah. yeah. I met him in like 2009. Again, coming back from camp and meeting all these people and seeing all these things that I was told were bad and wrong and, and people were terrible and, you know, blase, blase. So you grew um, up 
what? Religious Baptist. I Baptist, started in the, okay. I started mm-hmm. in the church choir. That's where you get them pipes from, man. You right, know, right, right. them Baptist pipes are different. And so like uh going on route to be a deacon? No. Okay. No, no, no. Hey, relax. I'll, I'll never forget. <laughs> Ask him, man. I'll never forget when my mom gave me a choice to go to church. Like, it was go to church. And I went to one of those churches that started at 1030. If we were lucky, we got out at 2. Like, if we were, if it was a good day. Oh, and so, yeah. oh, he was, yes. he was preaching, preaching. Oh, yeah. And so, like, the only thing I enjoyed was the music. And so, I'll never forget. One morning, my mom woke me up, and it was always, hey, get up, it's time to go to church. I was about 16, 17. She's like, hey, you want to go to church today? I said, uh, and I, I, you know, sometimes you just got to test the water. Right. You know? mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, like waiting to see if someone's gonna be thrown. There's a hand of God coming in the corner right behind that answer. And she was like, "All right, cool, stay home if you want." I was like, "Oh, set, we set now, like we good." And so I I have gone on the journey to try and understand exactly what I believe um, the last four or five years, and I don't know, and I'm okay with not knowing. Um, I have my philosophies on what happens after you die, which is like a big obsession of mine. Is I'm terrified of death. And tragedy because and that's PTSD from dealing with all so the stuff that happened in the last four or five years yeah. um, so and I recognize that so you said that fear like developed out of what you've witnessed and yeah. what you've been through yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean the fact that you know tomorrow mm-hmm. it could be tomorrow and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it I do not live well in ambiguity I do gotcha. not I do not live well in in, in that situation uh, I don't like not having control uh, and so the idea that something can happen to me that's not my choice and it's just over blows my mind. And the fact that nobody can say what happens after you're, after you're gone. Like if you get 10 theologians in a room and give them one Bible verse, you're going to come out with 11 different uh, translations of that. Right. And if that's the case, right, if none of you can agree and with all your training and whatnot, then you're just teaching me from opinions. Oh, well, I can read and make my own opinion. I've been reading on the 10th grade level since fourth grade. So what I need you to tell me how to comprehend this for, right? And so what I learned is that people don't necessarily teach the Bible from, uh, from the perspective that the Bible was written. They teach it from the perspective that they want it to mean. And so yes, you can yes. manipulate that to mean anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to believe anything because the things that I learned from your Bible that you taught me, you know, pastor or bishop, were wrong. The yeah. people who you told me were terrible were wrong. The things that I was fighting about myself were wrong. And so I'm much happier now that, and I shouldn't say happier, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Right. People always say there's a hole to fill. And I always, I'm always intrigued by people who are like drug addicts and then you find God or you go to prison and then you find God because it's not God. It's the hole that it fills that mm-hmm. makes it gives you something to live for, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like, do you be on your come up? Mm-hmm. But we got to recognize that we're just filling one void with another some, yeah. in some of those situations. Uh, like I said, it's, it's basically what you did. And just to clarify is what you're saying is, you know, um, how you said you don't like to live in ambiguity. Mm-hmm. Basically, what that is doing for other people is substituting that ambiguity for mm-hmm. a different type mm-hmm. with a little more structure to it. Exactly. And, and that works. And also, people. there are just things in the Bible that aren't true, and they have to be stopped talking about as and, if they're true. They're so crazy. They're, they are. So, you know, you know when the real switch happened where I was like, I do not believe in the Bible anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot justify anything you tell me about the Bible. There's a story in Kings. I can't remember where it is in Kings. I think it's in Kings 2 where this guy was walking down the road and he was bald-headed, right? Walking down the road bald-headed. You got something and against bald-headed dudes? No, I don't. Right? No, 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 relax. Children do. Children do. Children do. And so he's walking down this road. He's walking down this road and um, a bunch of kids come out of the of the woods and start making fun of his bald head. Like, I'm going to make fun of way worse things than a bald head. And so the guy looks up and goes, 
God, why would you let these children be so disrespectful towards me? And God sends a bear to maul 13 of the children. I was like, hold on, wait, I need to read that again. Right? Like, Old Testament? I need, well, this is Old Testament. Testament. Yeah, this Old was Testament. in like, this was yeah, in like yeah, Second Kings. Yeah, this, and this is aggressive Jesus. Oh, yeah, this, was, <laughs> this, was, this was gangsta God. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was God, like, I, I literally was like, wait a minute. There ain't no goddamn way. God sent a bear to all 13 kids for being children. Like, it like, just never, that it never happened. Murder. You know, that man committed murder. It, it, it never happened. And so, like, the fact that, and then people want to pick and choose what is literal and what and is poetic. Yeah. Like, no, either it's all literal or it's or poetic. It's the only thing that we know is that Jesus was alive. We know Jesus existed. And he was black. And, and he was he black, was. yes. And we, we know those two things. Everything else is subject to interpretation. Yep. And I can make my own interpretation. So, to answer your question, with religion, I'm much more like I have a great relationship with the creator. Like, I believe in God. I believe in something. You feel like, like you've had a conversation? Oh, yeah. I had a conversation okay. with him the other night. Like, we actually had this conversation. I will, and this is what's part of being a Pisces as well, is I can't tell when I'm talking to myself or when I'm talking to somebody different, yeah, right? right? And so I was, like, having this conversation in my head back and forth with God, you know, about the Bible. And he was just, like, he was calling me out on my shit. And I was, like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, I understand. And so it's a continuous journey of learning what you believe personally i believe in reincarnation okay, i think yeah I, I think that you know i don't think you go anywhere and i think friendships uh, and the same people keep running into each other through lifetimes right. in some way or another experience and like exactly yeah. um and so i'm actually i'm actually writing a play right now that's my next oh, endeavor nice. oh, yes man. i know can that, we get a title i don't have one. Oh, I, yeah okay. it's like it's in, speaking of brcc my my homeboy was my english professor in brcc and we became super cool uh, he supports the album. He, you know, he was at just at my house a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "Hey, I think I want to write a play." And I, this is what I think. And so we've been writing it together for about three months. Hey, All right. So easy. not to step away from the, uh, the black arts, yeah. I fuck with it. The yeah. religion and spiritual side of things for one sec. It's just so individually, as you know, an individual spirit grows, it, it feels almost detrimental, in my opinion, how people say that it's restrictive. You know, in in how things are given, in in you know. The church and Baptist church specifically mm -hmm. saying like, oh, you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, you are pretty much no longer a Christian. You know, whenever the people who had to go through that to realize that that may not have been it, you know, lying, mm -hmm. that's not it. Stealing, that's not it, you know. Mm -hmm. Some people really do have to do and experience those things to realize what it it isn't defining them for. You know, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. I've done this and I recognize that really isn't for me. It may have defined me temporarily, mm -hmm. but that's something that I know I'm rejecting. You know, but people who it's like strict parents make for mm -hmm. sneaky kids. You know, so you're in a <laughs> you're in a strict ass church and saying don't steal, don't beat meat, none of that shit. <laughs> the moment you get out on your own, it's it's a wild Pornhub time. Exactly. It's super it's super 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 isn't that amazing though? You have to wonder. Feps. So I believe church is a performance. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's particularly. Particularly the black church, um, which don't, I'm not. No, don't get about, me wrong. About to get canceled. I love. I love <laughs> no, showing up to up. church at like seven o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and watching the old bishops like go in on the word. I love watching the ladies sing. I love feeling the spirit. I love all of those things. Yeah. But you watch like the the one that creeps me out the most, and I might get canceled for this, but whatever. Yeah, the one that creeps me out is the white the white face um, dancing. Like mm, that, what? that uh, I, I don't, I don't the, like it. Is they all over and you're just like, you're dancing to, to like yeah. either yeah, a yeah, sermon. Or, I well, like my pops ain't oh. for none of that on me. Wait. Like, he was yeah, just yeah, like, yo, you want to see what church is? I really, I, 
And so yeah, that's sometimes they put on the makeup and yeah, stuff like that. And they, so they dance in the white face. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's like yeah. A, it's crazy. creating anim- it's almost like miming, miming right? And so they're either dancing to music. A lot of times they're dancing to sermons, yeah. right? Yeah. And so like that is that was the one that I was like, whoa, 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 little, back up. Like that's strange. just a little too far for yeah. me. And then I think around 2007, I watched Jesus Camp. And that changed my entire perspective, which if none of you have seen it, it's on Hulu. It is a it's a documentary about these kids who go to a, a camp in like Montana to mm-hmm. praise the Lord. And like and they're like between the ages of seven and 15. And I'm sitting there watching seven year olds like catch the Holy Spirit and cry. Oh, and I was just like, oh, no, what? what are you like what? That's oh. such a specific age range. <laughs> And that's usually the kids that are getting molested. That's usually between seven to fifteen. Yeah. Why Rather can't the seventeen, eighteen year olds be included on this? Because they know too that's fucking sketchy. much, bro. They know too fucking much. It's amazing how people change once they're like out away from under the church. And don't get me wrong, the church gave me some really good like principles to live by. And I think right. I think that's what's important that you can leave the church and maintain those principles yep. even if you don't maintain the spirituality or the, you know, the you Christianity see, behind it. But see, I apply that to like everyday life cuz there's a lot of shit that's just put in front of your face where it's just like this is good, this is good. Mm-hmm. And it's just like mm, no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I definitely understand. What and you're but saying. it's also like an interesting culture. So that's the thing with like cultural music. Mm-hmm. If you put like polka music in front of us, we don't be like that is terrible. What is this? But if you put Excuse that in front you. of somebody, and like the Netherlands, they be like, oh, that slapped, right? And so it's all about perspective, about perspective, and, and what your proximity to that thing is. Chitlins is another one, right? First of all, I don't eat chitlins, but when you talk about soul food in general, some of the stuff that we eat to the outside world looks absolutely terrible, but to us, hey, run me that every day, right? And so. It's really just about the proximity you have to the things that you're brought up, brought up around, yeah, right? And and, and that changes once you go away, right. once you leave your home, and once you're able to make your own decisions. And if you're lucky enough to be like probably everybody at this table to be able to detach yourself from your parents and be like, look, I'm grown. Like, yeah, I'm, which I'm if, gonna do what I want. If we have any non-Louisiana listeners currently, um, I just want you to know. Nobody leaves here, and if you leave, mm-hmm. you are one of the lucky ones. Mm-hmm. And it's not because anyone has a problem with it here. It's just. It's home. Yeah. It is the most home state in mm-hmm. this entire country. Yeah, you except for maybe Texas. Sometimes Texas you don't is get another experience. First of all, like yeah. <laughs> but how do you, but how do you feel about that? Um, I feel like uh, I can't remember who it was that I saw. It was just like someone was saying that it's like you don't have to leave Louisiana to actually be big and and like anything like that. In music or in general? Or I think it was I think it was music. I think it was specific to music. But how do you feel about that? Just in general, I think I. Louisiana is a mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's nothing like LSU football. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like Saints. There's nothing like being the home of the roots of a whole lot of people who we wouldn't have otherwise, right? right. Talk about Beyonce, Mama, right from New Iberia, yeah. right? We talk about Venus and Serena, yeah. Daddy, right from Shreveport, yeah. right? Webby, Lucy, We live in a pot of culture, most definitely. Exactly. Yeah. And so Webby. we are the most. We we. <laughs> It's hard for people from Louisiana to leave Louisiana mm-hmm. because nowhere else is like Louisiana. Right. Um, as as racist as it is and the issues that it have that it has, I've been to a lot of states and a lot of places. 
there is no culture like where we are nope. right now. They, we got just combo. Right. There's, there's <laughs> also like this thing where uh, along like the mental health care when I was living in Connecticut and New York, it was a big thing where therapists were like, a lot of times people that move from the South, more specifically Louisiana up North, face a lot more depression and mm-hmm. shit because of the fact that the environment and just the hospitality and mm-hmm. things is so different mm-hmm. from where we come from that it's hard to adjust. Like, mm-hmm. even going to pay for things like, hey, how are you doing? And they will ignore you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's like, all right, fuck you too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That Southern hospitality. So my, my camp director from uh, New York, his in-laws moved to Lafayette to teach at UL. And so he came down from Connecticut. He worked at Greenwich Country Day, which is a whole other thing. I went to Greenwich Country Day, and my mind was blown. Yeah. That's a $30,000 a year school mm-hmm. in Greenwich, Connecticut. I, this dude walks in. I'm like, man, that guy looks familiar. Like, why do I know that guy? Mm-hmm. And so he, he comes to speak to me. My best friend that I told you about earlier, JR, worked at the school. Mm-hmm. And um, he goes. What's your necklace say? Sorry. Oh, no problem. What is it say? says, don't touch my hair. Fucking right, <laughs> fucking right. Don't touch my hair. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta put that. I, my hair got so long that people started being able to like mess with it without me noticing. How long so you been now, growing it? Ah, uh, ten or twelve years. Okay. That's what's I up. think, I think twelve. Um, but long story short, it was Mark Teixeira mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. was like standing there. He was like, "So you don't recognize me?" I'm like, no, 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 I don't, I don't recognize you. Mark Teixeira is like was one of the highest paid baseball players at that time. And I can't remember if he played for the Mets or the Yankees, but either way, um, big, big bang. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But connect when you when you go up north, you just recognize so quickly yeah. how like I I was <laughs> I was in Greenwich and me and this guy made like eye contact and I'm mm-hmm. standing next to my homeboy yeah. and I was like, hey, you know how you doing, sir? And my my homeboy just grabbed my shirt. like, no, we don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah not, right. that's not what we do. Yeah. And, and like yeah, that was an eye opening moment for me. Yeah. I was like, so y'all just look people in the eye and don't yes. speak. What kind of shit show y'all running here? Yeah. You just rude everywhere, right? They're weird. Up the respect right. isn't open up there. Right. You know, it's like they feel like they have to hide their respect because if you respect someone, then they have power over you. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not like that. that. <laughs> also, we gotta just acknowledge how how weird New York City is. Like the yeah. fact I so I had a conniption fit in the middle of in the middle of ninety second street because me and my homeboy my homeboy came down from Rhode Island to visit me while I was in New York City uh, with another friend of mine and we were walking down the street and we were talking and I just stopped because there was a car parked in the middle of the street. And I was like what is what is what's this? And my my homeboy Matt who lived who's like a lifelong New Yorker, he was like, Oh, he's double parked. I go, what does that mean? I don't understand what I'm seeing. Like, why is there nobody in this car? Right. And obviously he's blocking people in and like there's traffic that's like going around the car. Right. He was like, no, that's what people do. Like when you got somewhere to be, you park your car and just leave it there. I was like, well, how long is he going to stay there for? Well, he might be at work. It might be an eight hour day. I was like, oh, what? Like, that's and, crazy. It's, and like I pulled up on a Home Depot and it was just at the bottom of an apartment complex. Yeah. I was like, what yeah. is this doing here? <laughs> Why is this yeah, here? Like, which right. entrance yes, do I go in? Where's the outside part? Like, where, where the plants at? Yeah. I don't understand what, what this is. Or the movie theaters, like, underneath no apartment complexes. Plants. I'm like, they got yeah, everything is on top of it. I can't understand it. I'm like, who wants to live like this? And the apartments, the fact that you like Ooh. next door to each other, like I'm like, who does this? Why would you, you think like land? Where's your land? Where Where's your backyard? Like, it's what are you doing? Island, straight it's island. on the roof. It just it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, it, it's it's it. 
I'm gonna be real. Like you're now the second person we've had that's just been in New York for an extended period of time, and out of this entire like group, I think Die is the only one that's you've been to New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I've been, I've been to New York. You've been New York. Yeah. Been New York? Yeah. You've been to New York. Yeah. I'm just the only nigga that hasn't been to New York. Fuck, yeah. I need to go to New York then. You do? No, really. You don't not, got to. No, no you gotta, you gotta to. expand your horizons. So it ain't really like I don't know. It just depends what you. Listen he to might, he might fuck with it. Save your money. I'm a Cali nigga, honestly. Save your money and go to Montreal. I'm telling you. That's what I'm saying. You might go like. That was yeah. that was the most fun I've had in Most a city ever. Them. Like Montreal is, is that spot. Okay, I do have another question about the album. So with bad bad man, mm-hmm. bad man or bad guy was it? Bad man. Bad man. All right. So with bad man, what experiences uh, are you cool talking about that made you feel like you were the bad man? You know, so, was it like bad out of like Michael Jackson bad, or was it bad like bad yo? These hands are ready to eat for everyone, bad. I mean, first of all, the beat on that is just nuts. It's, it's, I, it's absurd, and I was intrigued by it. I heard it. I was I was in a math class because that's what you do in math class is you listen to beats online. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and that one came across, and I was like, oh my god, this is just. But it's so non-linear, and I don't know if y'all noticed <laughs> because. I don't think the producer noticed the tempo switches about mm-hmm. four or five different times in the yeah. song, and so I was like, "You followed it expertly." It, 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 yeah. That's what intrigued me. I was like, "Ooh, this could be like a challenge." Like, I thought it was intentional. <laughs> no, no, it was like I was like, I well, when I first started recording, I was like, "Why does this not sound right?" Right, and then I realized, oh, because the beat like switches when I was trying to like actually yeah. manually do the beat, um, figure out how many beats per minute it was, and I was like, "Oh, well, this could be a challenge. I'm gonna I'm gonna try this one out." And so I was walking around the park in Brooklyn, and I was just thinking about like all the stuff that I had accomplished at that point, right? Like one of the, I'm a very humble dude, but I get shit done. Like yeah. that is yeah. that is in my professional life and in my creative life. And I was just thinking, and that that beat dropped me was like I'm a bad bad man. Like that was where it all started. And so I wrote backwards from there. But at that point, I had spent you know I had won the I went to camp. I got almost got fired my first summer. Um, they invited me back for a second summer. I went on to win Council of the Year and went on to be a Lifetime Achievement Award winner there. I had graduated college at this point, um, and my grandmother died the fall. So this, I graduated in the summer. She died in that like winter, and I had considered dropping out because I just didn't think I was going to be able to make it through it. And then my other grandmother died in May, so like it wasn't it wasn't easy at all. Yeah, it's a lot of life at a condensed point. <laughs> and like. What? Cat just bit the fuck out of Oh, yeah, you're not petting him enough, bro. <laughs> Shit, that nigga. He got you, bro. Yeah, but he like, got me just now. It was, it was, uh, so that one just draws on the fact that I was always told I was arrogant growing mm-hmm. up um, because I never really bent to anyone's will. I was never an obedient child. Uh, and so it was more of like, I really don't care. What y'all say for what y'all think? Like I'm a you can't bad, tell I'm a bad, me nothing. I'm a I mean, bad dude. up your shirt straight. Like even with um even with with like nobody will put me on would put me on shows right like for whatever reason I'm a really good performer because I feel like that's where you make your fan and that's where you build your fan base. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um and I'm really really good at it and I for a while there I couldn't figure out like why people weren't putting me on shows with them like they wouldn't ask me to do features or anything like that mm-hmm. and so I was like well you know what. I'm gonna just make my own opportunities, right? So I started like promoting my own shows. I started reaching out to my own artists and like doing all of that. Like even when I couldn't get anybody to interview me, like I reached out to Nate and was like, 
hey, when you interview me, I'm with, uh, I don't know if y'all know Toy the Poetic Beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't get anybody, I couldn't get anybody to like do a write up on my album. I couldn't do anything. So I said, I went out to all my musician friends and were like, hey, if I send you an early copy of the album, will you write a review for me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and with Toy, I was like, hey, will you interview me like for one of your shows? Like, so you got to go out and make your own opportunities. And so I think that is the, uh, the epitome of being a bad man and a bad dude is that That's being true. able to do a, your own thing. A lot of artists that I've seen try to dabble into the music genre is they, they don't want to do the footwork. They don't nah, want to, you know, nah, like, just want to create nah, and put it out there nah. and have it mean what AC everyone else get the response of. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you're not going to just put something out and instantly get a million views. Mm-hmm. There are people who do that. Mm-hmm. Not going to take that away from them, but yeah. stand in your shit. If you're the type mm-hmm. person that needs to get out there and put your shit out, that's what you got to do. Well, th- th- this generation was not did not have the benefit of growing up with the idol of Kobe Bean Bryant the way that we did, right? Like, if any, Kobe Bryant is like my hero. Like, I was devastated when he died, which is why 2020 can kill itself and I wouldn't care. Yeah. Cried for like three days, right? Um, had big Kobe Bryant posters all over my bedroom. I got his jersey, like, all of that. And so I have been living by the Kobe mentality for years. Like, you might be more talented than me. I doubt it, yeah. but you <laughs> might be, right? Yeah. But one thing you're not gonna do is work harder than me. And I'm going to outwork you at every single angle that you think you can outwork me on. That's professionally. That's personally. That's in every aspect of my life, right? I'm just going to outwork you. And, and I'm probably going to be better than you, honestly. When I did, uh, when I do shows, when I was coming up with this set, right? So I do the same set, of course, every time. When I was coming up with it, it was five hours a day. Sorry, three hours a day, five days a week was how long I required myself to practice. I would take all the furniture out of my living room, move it around. I would set up my entire rig for a week at a time. I would get off from work at six. I would go from six to nine, eat at 9.30, go in the studio, mess around with the live mixes, and then come back. And by the time, I, I think I did that right before the Fade the Flow anniversary show, um, which was in June of 2016. By the time it was, by the time I was performing it, I was thinking, like, I was performing, I was saying, you know, I think when I get home, I'm going to eat a steak. Like, it was that <laughs> ingrained in my head. And so when I say, like, I'm going to outwork you and I'm going to make it look easy, and you're going to be mad that I outworked you and made it look easy, particularly if you put me to open on your bill. Like, if you put me to open, I'm coming for everybody's neck, like, every single time, because I want yeah. everybody to know that you put me on the as the opener, and I was better than you by miles, right? I want you to know that. And so, like, I think okay. that's shit. Oh, yeah. I think that's why people don't really, like, I don't hold back. And I had one dude tell me, I'm not going to drop no names, but I had one dude tell me, he's like, well, you know, when you're the opener, you're really not supposed to go that hard. And I looked him square in the face. I said, is it my job to be worse or your job to be better? Mm. Like, that, that's the question. I need and that so, to drop. Yo, shit. Like, talk. Yo, I don't shit. mean that as, like, I'm arrogant. I don't think I'm better than you. I think that I've worked harder than you. Right. right? And, that, and on any given night, you can get it, right? Any right. given night. Pop, Coach Popovich talks all the time about how you should have a healthy respect for your opponent, right? Like, I think that you could probably take me, which is why I'm putting my best foot forward every night. And I'm going to yeah. make sure that the only reason I lose is because I mess up, not because you did something good. Yes. I was that same way on the court. You didn't score because you were better. You scored because I messed up, right? Like, right. that is all that it's about. And people lose that competitive spirit in music making, right? I miss those days of, like, the, the Motown era where, like, it was about who could put out the best work. We all going to do the same song. Let's see who do the song the best, who get the most traction off of it. We all get that. Now, diss tracks weren't about uh, calling someone else out. It's about putting something out to where their their music just exactly. wasn't playing. Like, exactly. no one was playing it. Right. And, and, like, 
it's about it's not about me thinking I'm better than you again, right? It's about us pushing each other to the next level. Right. So you taking it personal that I that that I say I think I'm better than you. It's not personal. It's personal because I believe in myself, yeah. but it doesn't mean that I'm shading you. And that's why like that's why you see rappers get murdered. People get up to a certain level mm-hmm. and they think that their success is in a front on their the other person's talent. Nah, man, just work harder. Like, just be better. It, it has nothing to do with you. Right. So that, and we lose that in in competitive. So I tried out for the Voice back in 2013, 2014, and I made it to the final round. Right. So they asked me to go to Hollywood, and I was like, Nah, I said I don't want to do that. Uh, but the whole time, like, they were in there, like, singing songs together, and they were like clapping for each other after they sang. Like, why y'all doing that? We ain't here to be friends. Like, this is a zero sum game. This is zero sum. Like if you go, I don't go. I'm not trying to be cool with you. Right. I'm trying to outsing you, right? I'm trying to outperform you. Like that's it. We've lost that like competitiveness, which is why Beyonce and and Bruno Mars have become this anomaly when they should be the standard, right? Yeah. They work harder than everybody. They put it. They've done everything. So you name you name dropping a lot of a lot of people. So who is it that like really inspires you as a human being? As a human being, Kobe. Um, Barack Obama gets thrown on that list. Uh, Prince is high on that list. I think even in Ghost, you can hear a lot of those Prince elements, even uh, the screaming that I do in there. Man, uh, I had such a yeah. fucking question loaded up for that, dog. I swear to God, I've been waiting this whole time. <laughs> Go for it. I'm ready yeah, for it. All right, so yeah, shoot off the hip. On the, look, man, he's been, going, he's been going crazy, bro. He answered a lot of my questions before I even got a chance to ask him. You're right, you're right. So, um, but specifically on that, so Ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Was there a specific like feeling that you were trying to portray through the style that you went with or did it all just kind of come together naturally and you thought oh maybe i should add this in here to give it this extra oomph? that's a that's a great question because so that, that's a really good question go started as a rock song okay right? okay go started as a rock song that i did with this band back in 2010 2011 um that's where the baseline comes from the not the reggae stuff but the baseline comes from that and so uh i actually my internal meter beats rock and roll, right? I'm not a hip hop head. I wasn't allowed to listen to hip hop growing up, and so I found my musical fulfillment in other places. Uh, and so um, that's where my internal meter beats. And I was like, all right, well, this is a rock song. And so I started sitting back listening to it, and it was like, all right, well, let's just add this reggae. Let's see how that let's see how that bounce, yeah, right? Okay. And then it all of a sudden it hit me. They, there's this breakdown in it uh, where it kind of slows down, and then it builds back up. And I was like, well, I can't just hit a note there. Like, I can hit a note there, but that's just going to not, that's not going to take it to the level I need it to be. I need to add some, like, screamo shit in there. And so I decided to, like, do some screaming on it, and then it worked It worked well. I don't know what that meant. Oh, my bad. I was saying left. Ten, oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah no, it was good, though. Um, I mean, when I first listened to it, it, or the whole project specifically, when I first listened to it, it just felt like it wasn't about getting a style out and it was like you said delivering a message it was you know your growth everything that was interpersonal about the project instead of you know trying to fulfill some need of what people want to receive you know so with uh going from helping out the youth and you know them being very competitive what would you give as advice for anyone who's struggling to get their art out right now whether it be music whether it be um you know any type of media for art First of all, um, bet on yourself every single time. Bet on yourself. The reason that I became a solo artist 
was because I was in this cover band and I'd been in bands in ye- for years and relying on other people to help me. Band. That's what yeah. I was trying to ask you. Yeah, Which yeah. band you was in? Uh, I was in a band called Steptone and then that was the only one that actually performed. The rest were like cover bands and we did some stuff around town but mm. nothing major. Um, and I was just like one day well they're all they were Trump supporters and I cannot stand <laughs> the whole band? The, two of them were. Two of them were. Jesus. And so the, the philosophy was the philosophy was there's five people in the band. I like to. I don't like to. And of course, I like myself. Well, damn. So, <laughs> so the second that it flips from me liking, not liking more than I do like, I'm out, right? And so I ended up having like this giant argument with one. He called me out on something I said about, uh, and this is how petty I am. I remember all of my arguments so that when yeah. I see you again, and I, I can rub my success in your face, right? Yeah. We, we, had, we had an argument. We had an argument about Flint, Michigan, because I posted about them still not having water. And he was like, well, "What did you do?" I was like, "Well, I don't know. I mentee five boys. I founded a nonprofit. I took them to Atlanta. I took them to New York. I also was an after-school care counselor, a summer camp counselor. I've also done this. I've also done that. I selected the student of the year last year. Like I've done all of these things that I don't necessarily talk about. Mm-hmm. So." That pissed me off, and I was like, "All right." I laid in my bed the next morning because we were supposed to have practice, and I was like, "Send them a message." I was like, "Yeah, I'm out. I'm good." And I immediately went to Marcel's inbox, Marcel P. Black, yeah. and was like, mm-hmm. "I think I want to do Fade the Flow." And he was like, "All right, I got you in December." I had recorded no music. I had written. I, I had you know ideas about what I wanted, and I was like, "All right, you got from September till December to get your life together, and then you're gonna perform." So December second, 2018, I performed there, and then I performed there again June 6, 2019, as an All Star. And that's when you see stuff really rocket. So me deciding to leave those folks behind and bet on myself, even though I was forced to because uh, fuck Donald Trump. Um, but <laughs> even though I was forced to, it was like the best decision I ever made. So number one, bet on yourself. Got number you. two, do not chase a wave. Do not chase a wave at all. Make music that you can be proud of. You are not Taylor Swift. You are not Katy Perry. You do not have a label to tell you anything that you have to do. So why are you trying to please what you think a label wants? It doesn't make sense. Make music that you can be proud of. And number three, do not chase the fame or recognition, right? Do not chase it because if that's your goal, then you're doing us all a disservice. I don't want to hear your music because you want to be famous. I want to hear your music because you got something to say. Nav. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you hating on the brown boy? He just wants his recognition. I'm still mad that he got away with saying nigga for a minute because no one knew what he looked like. Did he say that? Yes. 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 Oh, it was probably on Travis Scott's rage in the trap. Yeah. Also, the most overrated artist. Travis Scott. Travis Scott is overrated. Okay. That's a okay, high now take. we yeah. I, I love it. I mean, Astro World was rough. I like Rodeo Trap more than Astro World. overrated. Birds in the Trap was overrated. Wait, wait, before, no. hold, hold on, hold on. Before we get to Travis and just start shooting the shit, I got one more question for you. Yes. And I feel like this isn't brought up enough between artists, but like, who did your album art? If you want to give him a shout out. Uh, dude named Brett Smith. Um, I don't know what his Instagram is, but if you follow me at d.nix. Uh, I think it's Brett Smith 47 I'm pretty sure but yes he did it I actually saw a picture I love Steven Universe I knew it I knew it I knew it I was like yo this is so like Steven Universe I love Steven Universe and they had this picture of um of Connie I can't remember what their what their combined name is Connie and um Uh, Steven Steven. yeah and Stefani yes Stefani and she was like laying down 
in the grass and she had like all these these bright lights around her mm. i was like this is dope can you like do something like this for me and he sent me that back and i was like made a few edits but other than that it was great but again that's all about the the artistry around it people don't take advantage of being artists anymore like that's what I'm saying. i remember michael jackson in that cover art i remember like when Kanye West was doing graduation and all of those beautiful and it'll be like all of it like we don't we don't have that anymore and right. my goal is to really be a full artist I want creativity in everything that I do and I not only for me but like I want to engage other artists who want the opportunity to like be a part of that hey man and yeah. honestly like I'm glad that uh, you reached out to us to get this interview in because one I'm just glad I will put it on to your music because that's going to be on repeat for a little minute. Yes. That replay value is what I wanted. Yes, sir. Remember, purchase, not stream. <laughs> purchase. Yeah. Oh, wait, oh, wait but you oh, did see, but this, this is the thing. This is what's interesting about making an album as an adult. Couldn't care less if you purchase it or stream it. I already make enough money. Right? There I already, we go. I already, right. bought, I already bought my house. I already have my car. I already have my recording equipment and all that stuff. Like, I'm good. So I just want Thanks. people to enjoy the album for the sake of enjoying the album. Preferably, right. I mean, the biggest compliment I get if somebody's like, man, I'm already on my third listen. That's what I'm talking about. I want that Lauren Hill, miseducation Lauren yeah, Hill factor. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. 20 years later, you still bumping it. Right, you want that impact. Exactly. Yeah, Speaking exactly. of, I just want to say, we kind of touched on this off camera, I mean, off the podcast, but like, I'm just going to say, Michael Jackson and Juice World are the only people and only musical acts that have been able to touch my soul like i could feel that mm. connection happening mm. and when i heard ghost i swear to god i felt that shit and that's what made me cry because i'm Thank just you. like you get it like even if our situations aren't the same like your pain you communicated my pain at the same frequency Thank and you. that's not that's not common and how you touched on like the cover art and all the aspects of your projects like you're really invested in a lot of times these artists have really good music but they don't want to spend the money on the cover art right and they, don't they, they just throw a picture up there i don't want to hear your Fuck music because now it looks like it looks like what your cover it, like it Amen. looks like it's going to sound how your cover looks i know we're running out of time but i would be remiss if i didn't say we need to make sure that we're holding our artists accountable for the product that they put out right, right. like i I am a very visual writer. Like even when I listen to Moon, I I'm, I'm sorry, when I listen to Ghost and there's that line in there, I dragged you the moon from the sky, but it wasn't enough, right? Like mm -hmm. it, like that we need to hold artists to that standard or in Beach House where it's like uh and see I don't even remember my lyrics unless I'm doing the whole song at one time. Makes sense. But John Cena in this bitch, no you can't see me, right? Like uh yeah. I'm wrestling with my demons, I'm John Cena in this bitch, no yeah. you can't like that that type of shit we don't hold people to that standard anymore. So while these these you know YouTube rappers and SoundCloud rappers are out here chasing the beat, like we need to hold our people to a standard of you need to have bars above everything else, and you need to be able to sing. Like I am yeah. a crazy person about the vocals. I do vocal exercises every morning. Mm -hmm. I got vocal class tomorrow. I could name you the five vocalists with the longest, with the highest ranges. Mm -hmm. I can name you Lodian scales. I can name you Riga scales, right? Like, like master your fucking yeah, craft, we, bro. Exactly, like put the work in to be good at what you do. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why would I invest in you? Like mm -hmm. I can work, I can walk around and say, I think I'm the best singer in the city. And I can get on the mic and I can prove that, mm -hmm. right? With no auto tune. Mm -hmm. You can get on the mic and say, I'm the best rapper in the city, and me not trying, write a quick 16 on you, and like knock you off the park. Like, it is, 
you're not investing in your craft, which is why I appreciate Gage, right? Like, first of all, is this you, a formal call out to Young Boy? Oh, Young Gage. Oh, well, first of all, <laughs> please don't, please don't, like Young Boy be murdering folks. I like, I'm not. <laughs> nah, I, I wish I did. I wish I did like Young Boy. Oh, I wish I did. I tried, but he's just a little bit too young for me. Like, yeah, he's in that younger. He's too young. Yeah, he got four, five kids. Man. He got way more kids than I'll ever have. Yeah. Like, <laughs> But his music also doesn't resonate. With it's, me. Yeah, it's a different, yeah. it's a different, uh, different stuff for different people. You know, yeah. like it, that was a joke. But <laughs> really, though, man, it's it's been a blessing just to experience someone that's authentic about their music and authentic about their craft. Um, take the time out to know all the little details and consider everything yeah. in not in only, what goes into not only sonically but visually with the album yeah. and knowing it's what you're small, talking about. It's the small the details world. that definitely add up. Yeah, yeah. it's not just the authenticness is the dedication you have for this. Thank you. Yeah. And you can see it not only in your presence, but in your work itself. Yeah, you can hear it. Right. And, and I, I tell, you probably don't remember this, but I told y'all, I used to tell y'all this all the time. Um, you need to understand your presence and your power whenever you're living your life. So when people get confused, they think your power is the, the thing that you will. No, no, no. Your presence is how, you, is how people feel when you are not in the room. Mm-hmm. Right. Your power it's how people feel when you are there, right? I'm powerful. I can walk in a room and I don't say anything. And people know that I'm there. And when I'm not there, they miss me, right? And so mm-hmm. that, is, that is what you need to be crafting for yourself. You don't have to be flashy. Like, I don't wear jewelry. I, I, I have some fake stuff, which I heard y'all talking to Jazz about that. I am the king <laughs> of fake everything. Like, I, if it look good, I will wear it, and I don't have oh, no problem with it. Like, I have no problem <laughs> not, with it Not fake and doing, no, not the fake stuff. So. Well, I don't wear Jordans, so that's the yeah. only thing that I, I, yeah, I won't yeah, wear Jordans. Yeah, 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 because yeah. I think that is a level, but, like, jewelry and, and... You just fuck with what you fuck Gucci, with. Gucci, exactly. Like, yeah, I don't okay. care. Like, this is, a, right. this, is, this is a whole Walmart fit right yeah, here. Yeah, hey, man. some Play-Doh. Budget balling. Exactly. how you need to get it, son. Choose yeah. some play. I got 35 pairs of Air Force Ones. Each one of them came from a Play-Dohs between here, Alabama, <laughs> and Houston. Like, yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not joking. I'm like, fuck with yeah. that. What's on you? So, yeah, know your presence and your power, and that'll come through in your music, As apparently, as I'm learning from the entire city who's been listening to this album. Apparently, it's good. Hey, I don't think it is, but, you know. Oh, man. Like, it's great. Like, hey, man. It's, it's only up from here, man, because you started off crazy. Thanks. Well, make sure you tell your friends. Make sure they listen. Tell Pat. Tell Pat. Put me on the bando. I've been asking Pat to be on the bando for about five years. Like, <laughs> I'm going to I told you. Hey, man. All right. So let's hear your name one more time. Should you do any shout outs you need to do and tell us uh t- t- tell us what podcast you just came through, bro. Hey, I'm at the Broadcast Podcast. Sorry, Broadcast. Is it the whole Broadcast Podcast? Y'all do too. Yeah, Broadcast bro- yeah. Podcast. podcast. Yeah. Okay, I'm down with it. Uh, the name is Dexter Nicholas, Mr. Jackson, if you're nasty. You can, <laughs> uh, you can follow Jay me on Instagram Nicholas. at d.nicks, d.nichs, and on Facebook, I am Dexter Nicholas. Uh, and if you find me on Facebook, just know that it's a wild ride oh, on yes, there. It is like, definitely wild. <laughs> so, you, you, so, you be out there. I fuck with, <laughs> I fuck with the energy, though, dog. You, you are, you are uh, yourself. Thank I'll you. Thank you all so much for having me. I look forward to coming Thanks. back. Uh, look out for the next EP drop in the next two months or so. Ooh. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, we don't, we don't stop. We already got oh. two of them ready. Let's Round the clock, Actually, I'm super excited because my favorite uh, Baton Rouge artist finally agreed to do a song with me. His name's called What's Wrong Luke. 
um, with white. Talking about Lucian. Yeah, that is your favorite. That is my favorite. Oh my god! Like that is because my internal meter beats like Avril Lavigne, John Mayer, emo music. I love it. I love it. Like, and he is just so like he's so smooth, and I just love his music so much. Him, Flo, Gage, Marcel, like. Uh, shout out to all of them. Actually, shout, big shout out to Gage, who who has helped me through this journey. Uh, that's my big bro right there. Yeah. Hey, sure. well, after hearing that, I hope we can at least get one of them on here next, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's been yeah. great world having world you, Dad. I want to get that world premiere going. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we can set that up. That's yeah. Easy. That's yeah. A it's time, baby. Thank y'all for tuning in. We'll be back at you. Peace. 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 The bros. We out. All right. All right. Thank hey. you, guys.